You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, shout glory. Circle Church, you can do better than that. Shout glory. Hallelujah. Sit down. Say hi to someone sitting right next to you. Tell them you look nice. Um, logistics, can we have the house lights on, but just the back? All right, so it's not too much for me. I want to read you a campfire testimony. All right, we're still receiving those. God is faithful. So someone sent me this testimony from the Abuja church. He wasn't even here for campfire. He was online. And he said, earlier this year, around March, my mom was in the hospital for a checkup. Her results showed that her blood sugar was seriously high and probably could be an indication of diabetes. She was put on a strict meal plan and forms of exercise. We were advised to buy a blood glucose meter device to check her fasting sugar levels consistently. Even with the meal plan and the drugs, the sugar levels didn't drop and they were still high. Prior to campfire, I told her that we need to go back to the hospital for another check. However, on the last day of the program, when Poco was praying for the online audience, specifically CCG Abuja, he had a word about someone's mom, and I replied in the chat section that I was the one. The next day, I took out the meter and checked her sugar level, and it had dropped from 7.1 to 4.8. Consistent checks from Monday till date, show that it has never increased above the normal level. She seems so much stronger now, and it's funny because I heard she was drinking Coke on Sunday. Grateful to God for the miracles at Campfire. Listen, God is faithful. God is faithful. He There are so many testimonies, so many miracles that I saw the Lord do at Campfire. And we would give the opportunity to share those testimonies in due time. And I pray for everyone who is trusting God for a healing. Because I sense that someone was keying into this testimony as I was reading it. I pray for you. The Lord will meet you at the point of your need. The hand of the Lord will be evident and there will be miracles. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're having men's conference today. Don't worry, women will come around to you guys next week for today. Okay, or upper week. I think next week we have carol service. We're doing Jesus' birthday. We're celebrating his birthday. Before I start, um, two things. The first is I have my brother from Kaduna in the house, Pastor Dominion. Um, so Pastor Dominion is the lead pastor at um, Riverbank Church in Kaduna. And um, so we all came together for reboot camp. And then as his custom is, he always comes with his beautiful wife to Circle Church after. He's also here with his wife, Pastor Mary Jiga. So thank you. We love you guys. We love you. We love you. God bless you. Secondly, I injured myself during the week. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you that said sorry. Those of you that did not say sorry. My prayers do not work for you. I'm just joking, it's play. It's play. All right, I, I, you know that thing, a car door slammed. 
Yeah, it was actually painful. Now to the teaching. Father, we thank you for the privilege of family. We thank you because we can have these family meetings because of you. As we teach this morning, put the right words in my mouth. In the name of Jesus. All right. Open to Judges chapter 7 verse 1. This is the first time you're opening the book this year. Judges chapter 7 verse 1. Then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Harod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. Next verse. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Let me tell you something. God doesn't work with everyone. I hope you know. He doesn't work with everyone. God has specifications. As you will soon see. There is a minimum requirement. You know how when you go to get a job... You have minimum requirements for the job. Some jobs will say you must have a BSc at least. Others will say you must have, um, I don't know if it's OND or HND at least. Some people will say you must have a PhD with 30 years of experience, but you shouldn't be older than 26. You know, but they all have minimum requirements. Not yet. They all have minimum requirements. Now, why am I saying this? We will see in a bit. Next verse. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Let Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Next verse. Now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from the Mount Gilead. Everybody read the next sentence together. Everybody wants to go. And there returned of the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. So you may have, and this may not be what I want to teach, but I want to say something. Never follow the crowd. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because many times the crowd doesn't know where it is going. So now you have 32,000 people. And then everybody's shouting, Mora, hi, Mora, hi, we're going to war, Mora, hi, ginger, oh, ginger. Then Moses gets up. Now you, you were afraid in your heart. But the guy beside you, his voice was the loudest, ginger, oh, ginger. Yes, sir, we're going to fight. Then Moses says, hold on, um, you don't be afraid. The, one of, the people amongst you who are afraid, it's okay, nothing will happen. We won't sack you and just go back home. And Mr. Loudmouth, beside he says, ah, I can't kill myself. And then he carries his things. And then you, that you've been following the crowd since, you're now left on your own. As a human being, you should have your own personal convictions. And build those personal convictions from study, from experience, from in, like inquiries. Don't build personal convictions based on what people generally agree on. Are you with me on the same page? Because one day, those people's convictions will shift. And when their convictions shift, yours will too. And after a while, with many shifting convictions, you will get to a place where you don't know who you are anymore. 
Are you with me? Anyway, let's continue reading. And there returned of the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000, verse 4. But the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. Verse 5. So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth the water, lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, let him, him shall thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth, um, likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. Verse 6. And the number of them that lapped, put in hand to their mouth, were about 300 men. But all the rest of the people, that is out of, of 10,000 people, but all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. Why did I start with this story? Because in this church, we want to raise men. This is a men's conference, so I will speak specifically for men. Now, why did we allow the women here? Because the things I will say to men, honestly, in a very broad sense, apply to women as well. But have to be emphasized for men. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Good. So, listen. Don't say tell them. I'm telling you as well. Why am I saying, why did I start like this in a men's conference? Very simple. We want to raise men in this ministry that God can use. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And your usefulness to God, one of the saddest things about being used by God is that your usefulness to God is not premised only on your level of spirituality. There are other factors that if they are not in place, you can't be useful to God. Joseph of Arimathea, for instance, wasn't useful to God because he prayed in tongues more than they all. I hope you know. Joseph of Arimathea, many of you don't know who that is. Raise your hand if you know who he is. Put your hand down. Raise your hand if you don't know who he is. No, it's fine if you don't. I will not lie, it's not fine. No. What, were you doing? what were you doing in CRK class? <laughs> um, Joseph of Arimathea was the guy whose tomb carried Jesus. Where they buried Jesus, that guy. That man wasn't a priest. He wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't a member of the Sanhedrin. He wasn't a leader in the local assembly. He was just a rich politician. But because of his position, he was useful to God. He was able to go before Pilate and request the body of Jesus that you've killed a man. Uh, give me, you know you owe me. All right, this is how I want to collect. Give me his body. I want to bury him. He was a follower of Jesus who was useful to Jesus because of his life. Church boys, there is more to you than speaking in tongues and evangelizing. You must, you must live like that. You must speak in tongues. You must evangelize. You must be a prayer warrior through and through. But there's more that makes you useful to God than those things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a verse of scripture that I want to emphasize on in this teaching. 
And it's Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. We're going to read from verse 11 to, just, let's read just verse 11. And I returned, and I saw under the sun, that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happiness to them all. This is a very good scripture to teach supernatural advantage with. That the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong, favor to, is not to the men of skill, bread not to the men that are wise. Time and chance happens to them all. And so, if you stay in God's time and you are in God's chance, you will see all of those things come to you. Is that not so? But there's something that you missed when you were reading this verse of scripture, and it's this. Supernatural advantage is at best a multiplier effect. Do you understand what that means? Okay, chorus answer. What is one times a hundred? Some people are giving bees. What is one times a hundred? What is zero times a hundred? I only shifted one unit, zero to one. It means that if time and chance comes, but there is nothing to multiply, time and chance will pass you by. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is such a powerful concept. Second thing is this. This verse of scripture does something important. It says, normally, the race is meant to be to the swift. So what he's showing you is how God can superimpose on the natural order of things to get you somewhere. Are you with me? But normally, the race is to the, is to the swift. So if you will win the race, you must be swift. What does it mean to be swift? It means to move decisively, with speed in a particular direction. Are you on the same page with me? So, if you are going to amount to anything in this life, you must move decisively. That is, you must be able to make sensible decisions at, just like that. Many people in our generation don't know how to make decisions. You are a man. You don't know. We keep putting things off till tomorrow. You don't know how to stand up and say, this is what I'm going to do. And stand by it. And you want to raise a family? How so? Do you understand? You must be swift. When a woman who has a good head on her shoulders wants to settle down in marriage, she may not write it like this, but one of the things that she looks out for is your ability to say, this is where we are going, and then have a conversation, and then we move in that direction. Today, what do you want to do with your life? I'm learning product design. Tomorrow, what do you want to do with your life? I think I want to be a musician. Next tomorrow, what do you want to do with your life? The way it's looking now, I'm going into ministry. You don't have direction. You're 25, you don't have direction. And you say, let nobody pressure me. This life is, you don't. You don't get it. You are supposed to be putting yourself under pressure. 
When you wake up in the morning, you say, hi, another day that I don't have direction. God, give me direction today. At your age. Maybe you don't understand. How old do you think Olusegun Obasanjo was before when um, he, you know, he was part of a coup? How old do you think he was that time? He was 28 years. Let me give you another shocker. Um, Billy Graham. When Billy Graham was holding crusades for, and he was gathering thousands of people, how do you think the man was? 29, 20, 29 years, 29. Two and nine. You are 29, you are in your mother's house. No plan for your future. Listen, and then, can I speak freely? Uh, even if you say no, I will still speak freely because everybody needs to hear it. At some point, as a man, don't let your parents, you know there's a time when your parents will not start hinting at it that you have started to overstay your welcome in this house. Don't let them get there. Many of you wonder, as men, when you tell your father, this is who I want to marry, or you tell your mother, this is who I want to marry, they always say, no, you can't marry that person. Because they've looked at your track record of decision-making, and you've not hit it on the head any time. So how can we trust you for this one that is very important? So many times, it's not because of you that they're saying you shouldn't marry. It's they, they pity the girl. They pity the girl that, ah, if this boy should marry this girl, he will use less her life. The race is not to the swift, but normally is the swift that will win the race. What time and chance does is that time and chance gives an advantage to the swift that is already running the race. Do you understand? It is still a race. It is still a battle. And you must be strong. Do you hear me? You must be strong. A man must be strong. I know that our generation now, we like to say, talk about everything that you are going through. And I, I agree. Don't isolate yourself. Talk to people. But understand, let me tell you something. Can I come down? All right. Let me tell you something, eh? children of God. Shege is common to everyone. When they call your name, you step forward and collect your share. Say, I'm here, sir. I'm, I'm ready for all that you have for me. That's how it is so. In, especially, especially if you live in Nigeria. <laughs> so, you are a man. You are under some level of pressure. And you don't know how to be strong and say, you know what? I will hold it. I will endure this. I will work hard and come out of this. Whilst praying, whilst talking to your friends for encouragement, you are strong. I was counseling a couple. The guy faced some uh, pressure. Just small. Married man, he ran away from the house. When I was counseling the couple, I didn't even, I didn't say, hey, yeah, sorry. I said, something's wrong with you. You have a child, and you left the house just like that. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> a man must be 
strong. Must be strong. There is a reason why when God created men, he gave us, uh, the Bible says women are the weaker vessels. What that means is your bodies are generally, typically designed to be weaker than the bodies of men. Are you with me? If you think it's a lie, argue with scientists because it's not me that said it. The Bible said so, science agrees as well. So now, God designed you to be stronger. And I know that, yes, there's something like toxic masculinity where we overemphasize on masculinity to our own detriment. But masculinity is a necessary trait that every man must have. You are in your home. Cockroach, you enter the room. Your wife will run. You, you will run as well. Is something wrong with you? If, listen, even if you are afraid of the thing, because you have a family, you will carry and middle of the night, they knock, somebody knocks on the door, you tell your wife, please go and check who is at the door. Something, you, something is wrong. Grow up. Not only should you be strong physically, you must be strong emotionally. Are you with me? Something happens. Your wife is crying. You two, you are crying. Two of you are crying. Who will console who? When she finishes crying and you have consoled her, you will not go and cry your own before God. I say, God, see, I've come to cry because I, I, I have to be strong for my family. You're a man. So, you will be physically strong. You will be emotionally strong. You will be spiritually strong. Because some people say, God, give us praying wives. Praying wives. You, you don't know how to pray. God doesn't listen to the prayer of men. You are the spiritual head of the home. You don't understand. When you stand before Jesus, you will give account for your family. If your son was wayward, you will now account for his wayward lifestyle. Why did your son turn out this way? If your daughter grows up wayward, why is your daughter wayward? You married your wife. She was a fervent Christian. You, you were docile. Your calmness in Christianity has now poured cold water on her fervency. Now she's docile. You will stand before Jesus and Jesus will say, this woman was burning on fire for me when you met her. What did you do to her? You must be strong physically. You must be strong emotionally. You must be strong spiritually. Are you hearing what I'm saying at least? You are a man. Things are not working out fine. They get a small job opportunity for you. It's too stressful. Let me, let me tell you people something. Yeah, my, my friends, Pastor Okpe, you guys met him last week and his wife. We went out for lunch after service last week. And we're talking about a particular book. And um, we're talking about how in the early, you know, earlier generations. So we're talking about the boomers, Generation X, those people. 
They didn't work because they loved what they were doing. They worked because they had a family to feed. Do you know that do what you love is a very recent concept? Your parents don't understand it. Do you know? Because for them, the, the boomers and all of those, they just they knew that if we don't work, there will be no food on the table. So we will work to put, when we've made enough money, we can now choose to do what we like to do. For you, you are broke. You don't have anything. You don't have any money. There's no hope for the future. And you're looking for a job that you like. Say the job is toxic. It's affecting my mental health. Listen. They can drag me for what I'm saying. It's fine. Nobody die of insults. Listen. This is general now, not just for men. I agree 101% that there are mental health issues that exist. Are you with me? But here's something else I agree with. Not everybody that goes about shouting about mental health issues has mental health issues. Some people just need to man up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yesterday I was talking with some friends um, from the U.S., and this lady was talking about how she had a friend who um, went to the... And, and this is the interesting thing about mental health. Again, like I said before, I agree that there are people that have mental health issues. So they're not the people I'm talking about. But if you go to the hospital and you tell the doctor, I'm feeling, I have, my tongue is dry, my appetite is gone, things are bitter in my mouth, my joints are weak, my temperature is rising... The doctor will naturally conclude that you have a fever. Is that so? Good. If you go to the hospital and tell the doctor, I feel sad all the time, I feel like this, I feel like this, I feel... The doctor will diagnose you based on what you have said. And what you have said looks like the symptoms of a true mental health issue. But you don't have that problem. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So the doctor will say, you have depression, you are bipolar, or you are schizophrenic. They will say all those things. But only you can tell when I'm not actually depressed. I just need to toughen up. Only, you are the only person that can tell that. I just need to toughen up. The problem is that objectivity is missing in our generation. Objective truth is missing in our generation. One of my closest friends is a pastor to Pastor Shola. Many of you may know him. He's, a, he's an influencer on Instagram as well. He recently started doing this series on Instagram, um, Hard Truths. Recently, he did a hard truth on how body positivity should not encourage us to live an unhealthy lifestyle. You are fat. Say it to yourself, I'm fat. And if I continue like this, I will kill myself. So diet a little, hit the gym a little. But no, body positivity, you are beautiful the way you are. That's not what we are saying. We didn't say you are ugly because you are fat. You can be pretty and be fat. But you are fat. Look at the way everybody's quiet. 
Objectivity is missing in this generation. We can't be objective anymore. And he said it, and people unfollowed him. <laughs> so when somebody tells you, listen, I know what depression is, and you don't have it. You are just going through a tough time. <laughs> Toughen up. Hmm? Endure hardship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some people won't like to hear it, but God will help us all. Praise the Lord. See, the man of God is to be strong physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Number three, the man of God is to be a leader. Is to be a leader. You are to lead your home. And you don't prepare for examinations on the day of exam. So you won't become the leader you are meant to be when you become a husband. You start now. Do you hear what I am saying? Is to be a leader. Listen. Don't take yourself too seriously as a human being. That you don't joke with anybody, you don't smile. But if all you do is joke around and smile around, do you agree with me that people will take you for granted? Learn how to carry yourself like a leader would. Listen, when, when um, Samuel went to anoint Saul, he, or was it David he went to anoint? David, uh -huh. he went, no, Saul actually. When he saw Saul, he looked at Saul and said, this is a king. When he went to anoint David, he saw David's brothers, and he was too sure that he's one of these six boys that God wants me to anoint because of the way they looked. Leadership starts from charisma. Do you hear what I'm saying? Uh, God will help us. So, you don't dress well, you don't smell well, you can't speak well. Do you know, if you're, if you're a married man, raise your hand, let me, see. let me, let's do a test. Raise your hand above your head. All right, good, put your hands down. Those of you that, mar that are married will agree with me that there is a certain amount of respect that people started giving you just when they knew that you had a wife. I'm serious. They've never met your wife before. They don't know your wife. They just know you are married, and then they just expect you to be a responsible person. Is it true? Okay. Number two, do you agree with me that the way you dress is actually the way you'll be addressed? We like to, this generation, we hate objectivity. So let's do a very quick test. Two men walk up to you. They say, they both say, we are representatives of Access Bank. Hmm? One is dressed like T-Jibs. Please come. Lovely suit. You look wonderful. So one is dressed like this guy. 
looking sharp, has an ID card. The other is not dressed like him. There's nobody dressed like that here. Has. Even Jaga is smartly dressed, right? The other person is wearing a button-down shirt, crazy jeans. You know when crazy jeans has gone beyond, it's spun everywhere. It's almost rag. It's wearing nice kicks. The, the canvas is very beautiful. Has a face cap on, has dreadlocks, and has a tag as well, just like this guy has. Now, be honest. Which one will you give your money to? Let's, can we say the truth? Which one will you give your money to? You can go. <laughs> so, your leadership begins from courage. Know how to carry yourself. How to talk. Don't say English is not my first language. It's the one you speak. It's the one you speak. Learn how to speak it well. Polish your diction. Speak properly. Are we on the same page? What are you going to toast the girl? Then the girl will now be, I understand what you are trying to say. <laughs> because you don't know how to communicate fluently. The Christian sisters, I should tell you. You are coming to church. If you are coming for setup, for instance, as a man, you come with what you are wearing for setup. After you finish setting up, you take it off, wash up, then wear proper clothes. So that, especially if you are not married. If, if you are married, you have married. The woman that you want to marry, she has seen you. She knows you inside the house, outside the house is okay. But you are not married, you are in the market, you are searching. You won't dress properly after setup. You wear slippers. <laughs> Thank you for serving Jesus. <laughs> but don't let it be because of Jesus that you won't find your marital destiny. <laughs> Can I speak freely? Ah, talk. <laughs> and it's not always costly to look good. It's not always costly. It's not always costly. Even if it's one shirt you have, eh? One. You will wash it, you iron it, you will put it on, you will come out. You don't have to buy expensive perfumes. Just buy a nice antiperspirant deodorant and use it. And come out smelling nice. That's where your leadership begins from. Because before people hear what you have to say, they see you. Do you hear what I'm saying? They see you. They smell you. Also, as a man, you need to empower yourself. Let me explain what I mean. A leader that doesn't have power will be taken for granted. One of the easiest ways to give yourself power is by earning money. 
Are you sharing what I'm saying? The Bible said um, in Proverbs that a story was once told of a city that was under siege. And there was a poor, wise man in the city whose words were not hearkened to because he was poor. Nobody is asking you to be a millionaire immediately. Because we know the situation of the country. We know how things are. But at the same time, you don't have a job. You are a man. Listen, even if it is a menial job, there's dignity in labor, work, and a living. Don't let anybody insult you because you are dependent on them. In case you don't know, the theme of this month is family meetings. So I'm not really preaching as much as I'm giving advice. I hope that's okay. Don't let anybody insult you because you are dependent on them. Don't let anybody think that without you, um, without them, you won't survive. Empower yourself. I know that um, in our generation, I think one thing that we have good going for us is that this generation, um, we are trying very hard to find a compromise between um, the roles in spending when it comes to a couple, who should spend more, who should. So most times, especially in the church, the women are okay, saying, you know what, we'll split the bill or we'll even pay. But if you are dating and every time she's the one paying, you are a parasite. You are a parasite. Number two, the Bible says that the one that cannot feed his home is worse than an infidel. I didn't say so. The Bible said so. You know what it means to be worse than an infidel? Nobody's saying that you should have billions or millions. Feeding your home might be twice a day because that's what you can afford, but you are putting food on the table. Are you with me? Empower yourself. Your words mean nothing if they're not backed up with the power to act. You keep promising the person, I will, I will do, I will blow. Don't worry, I'm just waiting for this to click. Once this and this should click for me. I... Listen, again, there is nothing wrong with having a potential. Okay, this person can walk right and get something. But the, the thing about potential is, if it is not quickly used, it becomes a problem to the system that it is in. Let me explain what I'm saying in biological terms. You know what fat is? Fat is energy that is stored, that is not used. By that definition, it is meant to be a good thing. No? It's meant to be a good thing. But because it was not quickly expended, it had to be stored somewhere. And after a while, where fat should normally be stored gets filled up. And so it starts to encroach into places where it shouldn't be. Your arteries, it begins to block the heart um, passageways where blood is meant to flow through. And now you have a heart attack because of fat, which is energy that your body actually needs. Potential energy. So if potential is not quickly put to good use, it begins to sour the system that it exists in. 
Are we on the same page? So you are a man. You have potential to be all of this, all of that. Put it to use immediately. Go out, hustle, work hard. Don't sit down at home saying that one day my music will blow. It won't. I can tell you categorically that it won't. And it's not a curse. There is a mindset. Nobody that is successful is successful by accident. Do you know? You know, many times, I I grew up in living faith. I I went to secondary school there and then uni there. So many times it's easy to use uh, the bishop walks 18 hours as an example. How many of you saw, and I do not in any way recommend his lifestyle, but I want to draw a lesson from it. How many of you saw Tayo Aino's um, A Day with Davido? How many of you saw that video on YouTube? How many of you saw how hard that guy works? Morning till the next morning, he's on the road, flying from here to there, working hard at this. So you think he's successful because his father has money? No. There are other people whose father had money that entered the music scene that exited with us. There is, a light, there is a mentality that drives success. So if you are sitting at home telling yourself, don't worry, my music will soon blow, I can tell you categorically you it won't. It won't. The only person that will hear it is your girlfriend, and that's because she's supporting you. Amen? Yeah. Empower yourself. Let potential be put to good use on time. Are you with me? Let potential be put to good use on time. I know you have a good voice. You have a music career you're trying to build. Whilst you are trying to build a music career, go and get a job. Work the nine to five. Then from five to nine the next morning, do your music. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you want to succeed, one of three things must suffer. It is either your, your main job will suffer, your side hustle will suffer, or your sleep will suffer. Choose the one that you want to suffer, and then let it suffer. A lot of people who I know that every person should sleep eight hours every night. But let me tell you now, if you are a man and you sleep eight hours every night, you are not ready. You are, I'm telling you now, you are not ready. The only way that I will give an excuse for you is if your day is put to judicious use, that is, you use it very well, of which I can doubt that you do. Because many of us spend most of our time on our social media, scrolling through and watching videos. Praise the Lord. Let him that has ear. The next line says, nor bread to the wise. That word bread there is food. The word wise is skillful. It means, remember, the the pattern here is normally bread should go to the wise. But because of supernatural advantage, even the ones who are wise, there are others amongst them that supernatural advantage will come on that they will supersede the others. Are you with me? But normally, bread, food, should go to the skillful. We believe in supernatural favor in this church, yes? Yes, So now let me tell you. If you sit down in your house and pray for divine favor 
from January 1st, 2024 to December 31st, 2024, I can tell you what will happen. You will not make it to December 31st. You will die of hunger. Because nobody, and I repeat, nobody will bring food to your house and say, take it for the journey is far. <laughs> nobody, nobody will bring food to your house. Bread belongs to the wise. And by wise there, um, the word there is actually skillful. So what skill do you have? And how can it put food on your table? Do you hear me? All you went to school to do was acquire a skill in engineering, in accounting, in medicine, English, whatever field you studied. You went to acquire a skill. For some of us, we tried our best and we failed at acquiring the skill because we didn't do well in school. God help us all. But you come out of school and there are still other ways to acquire skills that would put food on your table. Don't sit down at home and keep saying, I'm looking for work. I'm looking for work. What are you skillful at? Number two, what you are skillful at, is it profitable? Can we be honest with ourselves? Is it profitable? If it is not profitable, will you go and learn a profitable skill? Pick up a profitable skill so that there can be bread on your table. Men, let me teach you something. It is natural to make an excuse for someone that you see who should be at your level, but they are doing better than you. It's natural for you to explain their success away. That temptation comes very easily. Why is he, uh, you know, a pastor once told me that the reason why Circle Church is growing the way it's growing and the reason why we can do all we do is because I went to Covenant University and I, drank Covenant, I dragged Covenant University people with me here. So let's do a test. If you went to Covenant University, raise your hand. Look around you. I'm not up to 20% of the church. But he just explained away the success. You went to see you. You already had a following in see you. I've heard people say that uh, uh, my parents bankrolled my ministry. My parents. <laughs> I wish you knew my mom and my dad. <laughs> Some people said that Pastor Aaron bankrolled Pastor Aaron. He loves the church. He loves our ministry. But he will never <laughs> just say, ah, what do you people need now? Take, go and buy it. Doesn't happen like that. We have what we have because you gave. Is that correct? When we have a need, we'll come and announce, we have this need. This is what we need. Please give. Everybody will give and we will buy. And we keep working hard at it. Don't explain away anybody's success. Especially if they are supposed to be at the same level with you, but somehow they are doing better than you. Don't explain away the success. It may be one of two things. It may just be that it is not your time just yet. You need more time. And tell yourself the truth, I need more time. Or number two, you are not working hard enough. The only time number one will apply is if you know that I'm genuinely working as hard as I should. 
It just needs more time. And once, once you are working as hard as you should, it only takes time. Time will tell. But if you sit down at home and you do nothing, you are not praying, you are not doing anything, and then um, you have no skill, you are not building, you are not doing anything with your life, then you just look at somebody who is doing okay, and you say, ah, it's because his father is rich now. Nobody who is successful in life is successful by accident. Nothing grows by accident. Nothing. Even weed, weeds that come out with plants, they don't grow by accident. They grow because the soil is conducive for them and then rain falls to water them and then they grow. They do not grow by accident. Nothing in life grows by accident. Everything in life dies naturally, but nothing grows naturally. It takes effort. It takes commitment for anything to grow. So if there is a young man who is your age mate that is doing better than you, instead of jealousy, don't let what should inspire you lead you to jealousy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't let what should inspire you lead you to jealousy. Stop being childish. There's a young man like you. He's your age mate. He's doing far better than you. You look at him and you ask yourself, do I want to be like this man? If the answer is yes, what is he doing? How can I start doing it? So do you have a profitable skill? A skill that can actually put food on your table? When I finished from school, I graduated with a tutu. When I finished from school in engineering, now, do you know that tutu is not as... Okay, let me not say because we have student students. Let me, let me be like I'm giving you bad advice. <laughs> but honestly, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Because you can still get hired, do your master's. I didn't know that. So immediately I finished school, I told myself, if I'm not going to waste in this life, I must learn a skill that people will hire me for. So I went to learn graphics design because that, that time, it was the thing to learn. I had never done it before. I called somebody that I knew that was good at it. I said, show me the ropes. He just told me, this is exactly what he did. He said, this is how you paint this. This is where you get this from. Then he gave me a flyer and said, reproduce it. That was actually how I learned. So I sat down there for hours trying to figure out what is what, what is what. And then I reproduced the flyer. I showed him, said, good, you're a graphic designer now. And I went on NYSC, for my NYSC year, they sent me to one school. I said, I'm not going. So I went to look for a job by myself. I went to the first place that I worked. The very first time I was looking for a job as a graphics designer, I tendered my portfolio that I made the night before. <laughs> I just, I, that night, I just sat up that I'm, I should have a job now. What's the meaning of this? I don't have a portfolio. So I sat down with my laptop and I did, I just came up with the name of a company. I'll do logo for them, flyer, uh, business card, letter-headed paper, stationaries, one bundle. I did like five companies. Then I did church design. Then I did different types of design. Put it together, sent my portfolio. They called me that afternoon. When are you ready to start work? I said, sir, if you call me to start now, I will start now. Is now, I will start here and now. I said, come back on Monday. This was Friday. I went there on Monday. I started the job. Before three months, I was the head of the unit. Why? I learned a profitable skill. 
I finished my NYC. I came to Lagos. Someone called me. He said, he's looking for someone to head his marketing team. Can I do it? I said, and why not? Is it not knowledge? It's knowledge. It will not pass learning it. I will do it. <laughs> and I headed the team for about a year before I stopped and I, and I started pastoring full time. For you, you didn't graduate with a good result. But yeah, what skill do you have that can put food on your table? Say, I'm not really a tech person. You must be, oh. You must be. If you don't learn, if it's not design, you will learn uh, motion graphics. If you can't do that one, you must be a tech person. You gotta learn content creation or how to write. Learn a skill that can put food on your table because bread is to the wise. Are you hearing me? Bread is to the skillful, riches to men of understanding. Riches to men of understanding. How to make money, how to keep money, how to use money. What, listen, I said it once before. There are different currencies in this world, and money is the least of them. There are some things that you spend money to get, some other things you spend relationship to get, some other things you spend influence to get. Do you hear what I'm saying? Good. So as a man, learn how to have those things. How to make money, how to influence people, how to be an influential person. Nobody's asking you to climb a pulpit and hold a mic. Nobody's asking you to be the next president of the country. But know how to influence, how to position yourself in people's lives such that they are so pleased with you that if there's any opportunity that comes their way, they think of you first. No, I'm shy. I'm an introvert. I don't talk to people. You must, though. You must talk to people. You must network. Are you with me? This is the only way. Listen, riches will come to men of understanding. So imagine you have understanding, then you now have supernatural advantage. It takes you a step further. He says, nor yet favor to men of skill. That skill there now is actually knowledge. There's something about favor. Favor is attracted to those that know about favor, know how to attract favor. There is a how. Many times, okay. How many of you ever saw your parents do this thing. Christmas day or Christmas season, this period, they would buy hampers, like three or four. Then they would put wine. Then they would address the hampers to different people. How many of you have ever experienced that in your homes? And they would now send it, one to their boss, one to the pastor, one to this other person. One to the, how many of you experienced that in your home? So, when your parents now needed help, they would now go to those people and say, Please, I need help. And many times those people would help. Is that correct? It would not be like, ah, we have favor in this family. When we needed help, people came through. It wasn't that people came through. Seeds that they sowed germinated and fed them. You see this thing that I just explained to you? A lot of people in our generation don't understand it. When it was time for you to do IT in school, 
your father called one of his classmates from way back when. Said, my son is looking for where to do IT. The classmate said, okay, you know, give me one week. And the man moved heaven, earth, and everything in between to get you an IT placement. And throughout your six months of IT, you never took ever water, one, to his house to say, thank you, sir. Thank you for doing this, sir. Never. So when your father needs assistance again, do you think that man will listen? You've closed the channel. Are you with me? Are you with me? You've closed the channel. Someone does, they are, we are so rude. Someone goes above and beyond to do something for you and your response will be thank you for all you do. <laughs> Can I speak freely? Last week I told you that the fact that you have offered thanks does not mean it is accepted. Because there's a degree to which thanks must be offered before it is accepted. So somebody goes above and beyond to do something for you, and all he gets back from you is thank you. Listen, the person may not even be looking for anything from you, but there is a way you will show appreciation that the person will say, see, anywhere you need help, no matter where I am, I will come for you. So, because you lack that understanding, favor will never speak for you. Because the people, the channels through which favor, because it's men that favor men. God will use men to favor you. The channels through which favor should come, you close them. You're a man, you don't have a good character, you don't know how to speak. You say any small thing, you'll get angry than me at the quick vex, at the quick para, and you're proud of it. You will, the way you will suffer in this life, it will shock you. Because you need other people. There's a scripture, I don't know where it is, um, help me look for it, where Jesus was advising us to make friends with the people of this world because of money. It's not me that said it. Jesus said it. It's in Matthew, I think. Help me look for it, please. Have you found it? Matthew 16, 9. Thank you. Luke 16, 9. Okay, thank you. Please put it up. Luke 16, 9. I want to show you something very important. Everybody read together. You know what? Put it in the HCSB or another, a newer translation, because KJV may confuse us. Uh -huh. All right. Read together, everybody. One, two, go. You can read louder than that. Read together. One, two, go. Read it again one more time. <laughs> If you have a Bible that they used to do words of Christ in red, this scripture will be in red. It was Jesus himself that said this. Money will fail. When it fails, the friends you made with money, they will welcome you into eternal dwellings. <laughs> That's what Jesus is teaching you. 
know the Bible says the gift of a man makes way for him. We always think of that scripture in terms of the gift of a man as in his talents and his natural giftings. But that's not all, though. There are some of you that have done certain things for me in life, eh? that I've sworn in my swearing that whatever it is that you need from me, I will give it. I will give it. No, no matter what, I will give it. Wherever I get to in life, I will give you whatever you want. There are people that I have helped like that, that I know that if I die today, everything I have is in good hands because they won't let anything go wrong with me. I know you don't have enough. Money is never enough. But use money to make an opportunity for yourself. Stop. See, it is... You are being selfish when you spend all that money on yourself. And the funny thing is that that selfishness is working against you. It's counterproductive. It's counterproductive. When was the last time your lecturers, maybe you had a rough semester, but there was this one lecturer that was kind to you. I'm not asking you to buy the lecturer a car because you can't afford it anyways. <laughs> but at least go to a supermarket, buy Everwine one. Write a, buy a thank you card. Sir, thank you so much for this semester. Take it to his office and say, sir, please, I came to give you this wine because I noticed that you were kind to us during the semester. Thank you, sir. That man will never forget you. Do you know? If you take his course again, he will now have a natural soft spot for you. Every other person did poorly, he will call you to the office and say, uh-uh, what happened? Was the test hard? Oh, it was hard. Okay, I will do another test for all of you. People will say, oh, you are lucky. You are not lucky. You are favored because of understanding. Do you understand? Good. That's how it is meant to be. Notice, it wasn't, it wasn't, this is Jesus speaking. Make friends by means of unrighteous money. Money, money, money is pointless. It's useless. We have it today. We don't have it tomorrow. Use it to make friends. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's Christmas like this. You are just thinking of who we give you Christmas gifts. Who are you giving gifts to? Who have you planned in your heart? Okay, I will put aside, uh, uh, just go, uh, someone sells perfumes in this church, actually, a couple of you. You know what, put aside some money, buy three, and send those three to different people. Um, they may even be members of the church. Send it out, say, take, Merry Christmas. I just thought to wish you a Merry Christmas. You look at members of the church who are doing well financially, who have the opportunity to help you. Don't let your first conversation with them be, sir, I'm looking for a job. Is there anything you can do to help? Come on. Do better. It's Christmas. Get them a gift. Sir, thank you. I just want us to be friends. It's easier to make a request from a friend than from a stranger. So when somebody now sees you, the other say, oh, I don't know how you are doing it. You are always so lucky. No. You are favored because of understanding. 
Did you read in the Bible that the Bible said that a soft answer turns away wrath? When we went out for lunch last week, the woman who was attending to our table, when she came to the table, you know, she had been working since morning, and this was afternoon, so she was frustrated. So when we were asking her, because we were playing loud music and we wanted her to put it down, she looked irritated. Then my friend, Pastor Quen, now said, your makeup is very nice. She said, oh, this makeup, it has been on since morning. I said, oh, you've been working here since morning. She said, yes. I said, how can we tip you? She said, oh, don't worry. What do you want? We want to turn down the music. She went straight to them and said, bring the music down. Bring, drop it. <laughs> Anything else? She immediately became friendly. Some of you, your response to her will be, why is she giving us attitude? What's the meaning of that nonsense? That's the problem with this country. Customer service is always poor. She's a human being like you. She said she had been there since 6 a.m. That's when her shift started. This was 1 p.m. She has been waiting tables since 6 a.m. No rest. A simple kind word. It didn't, it didn't take anything from my pocket to say, how can I tip you? And she actually didn't collect the tip. She didn't want it. It didn't take anything from Pastor Best pocket to say, your, your makeup is very nice. Praise the Lord. We're going back to Ecclesiastes 9. Let me wrap it up. But time and chance happens to them all. When you build skill, you've gone for knowledge, you've gone for understanding, you've gone for wisdom, you've put all these things together. All you will now be praying for is time and chance. Are you with me? All you'll be praying for is time and chance. Listen, what I'm teaching you is not Christianity. It's not for Christians alone. It happens to every human being on this planet. I don't know why I'm using secular musicians to give examples today. But allow me to. There was a thing that people were jokingly saying when this guy, um, Mr. Money, what's his name? Yeah, Ashake. When he, he released his last album, and people were saying that it's like he was just waiting for opportunity. to. And once the opportunity to blow came like this, he seized it. What people didn't know was that he had been doing music for years before that. So he had honed his craft. He had built the skill, made connections, Spoken to people, yes. So once that opportunity came, he was able to easily step through that door. One of the worst things that can happen to you is that an opportunity you've been praying for will come and you're not prepared to collect it. It's one of the worst things that can happen to you as a person, let alone a man. Some of you, you are praying, God, millions, millions. Let me ask you a question. If you received 10 million naira now, what would you do with it? I hope you know that if somebody gives you 10 million naira now, you have no excuse to be poor in life again. None. I hope you know. So if that opportunity comes your way, what will you do with it? Are you prepared to use it? Or will you foolishly go and spend it on a car? 
May God give us understanding. So, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself physically. What do I mean by prepare yourself physically? Look good. Dress well. Smell good. If you have just one pair of shoes, for the longest, I had one pair of shoes. Many of you must have noticed, I was wearing the same pair of shoes to church almost every other week. I'll clean it on Sunday morning and put it on and come to church. So if you have just one pair of shoes, that's fine. Clean the shoes every Sunday. Every day you need to wear them. If they spoil, go and sew it and keep wearing it. When the sole should chop, I don't know how to say that in English. <laughs> when the sole goes, you take it to Shebeka and say, resew this shoe. Remove this one, put another one. We go again. Till so you have the resources to buy another and another. In Nigeria, we like to use our tough times as an excuse for not taking advantage of favorable situations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Speak well. I told you the testimony of the young man who went for a meeting. The pastor prayed for him, told him that the Lord will favor him. And then he went to work the next Monday. And then what was his job? He was a lawnmower. He used to mow the lawns. But the people he works with, this particular day, happened to have been called to the state house where the governor stays. And then he was mowing the lawn. And then the governor was walking out with one of his friends and looked at him and said, come, what's your name? And I can't remember the name now, but let's say John. And he says, my name is John. And the governor says, oh, my name is John too. What do you do? I, I mow the lawn. Um, did you go to school? Yes, sir, I went to school. Did you finish from school? Yes, I finished from school. You speak so well. You sound so intelligent. Come and see me next tomorrow. Came the next day, the governor made him a special assistant. His personal, um, PA, what do you call PA? Personal assistant, that's the one. Do you know how big a deal that is? If you know anything about powerful people, you know that the personal assistant is more powerful than any other person that works for the governor. Because if you want to reach him, that's the person you should speak to. So now people started sending him money. Just use this one for help us to buy coke. How much did they give you? 500,000. Which coke am I buying? <laughs> what happened? The governor spoke to him. He spoke well. Looked like a normal person. Spoke cleanly. The governor looks at him and says, this guy can be my special assistant. He's not my personal assistant. He, he's not bad. He seems intelligent. But when, when you, they will call you. You are a graduate. You went to school. What do you do? Sir, now the lawn, no, I just, you know, just to hold one or two. So just whole body. And the governor looks at you and is like, this person doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything. He say, yeah, just continue and keep it up, eh? The Lord will crown your labor with, effort, with good success. Go. <laughs> Amen. I want you to pray a prayer. Father, may I be well equipped to handle success and opportunity when it comes my way. Open your mouth and pray. May I be well equipped to handle success and opportunities when they come my way. I want you to pray.
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I want to recommend two books for you. I recommended one of these books for the Executive Council earlier this year. The first book is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. The second book is Atomic Habits by James Clare. I read those two books this year. And once next year starts, I'll read them again. Atomic Habits by James Clare and How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. They are not spiritual books. Hmm? Read them. Especially if you know that. See, honestly, everything Boko has been saying today is like he's talking to me. Go and read those two books. My plan is that for you to, that you will step into 2024 with the mindset that I am going to evolve into a better man. It, it may take time, but you can slowly sculpture yourself into who you want to be. Take control of your finances. Take control of your health. Do you understand? So that when you say hi to a lady, she won't feel like, why is this person disturbing my life? When you step into, when I was working in Abuja, I told you I was, I was the head of my team in Abuja. We had to conduct interviews for um, this thing. We had to conduct interviews for, like, to employ people. There was this one guy that entered the interview room. And the moment he entered, the atmosphere changed. Not for the better. Everywhere started to smell. He had a body odor that was so bad. Do you know that just because of that, he had a good CV. We didn't employ him. And this is the rationale behind not employing him. The one time eh, you want to put your best foot forward is at a job interview. Is that correct? If you could come like this to a job, only God knows what we will receive when you now start working. Another measure. Thank you very much. So we didn't employ him. We, we actually let him go. We didn't tell him why. Because <laughs> it's a very difficult conversation to have. But from today, what I would just do is, I would just, if I just notice that, that there's a sweet smelling savour that's coming from you. When I'm coming next week, I'll just buy antiperspirant deodorant. I'll call you to the car and give it to you. Say, so use it. It helps. Praise the Lord. I hope you learned something this morning. You know what? Let me take one question or two questions. Does anybody have a question? I actually intended to take questions today. Anyone have a question on, on your heart? If you do, raise your hand. Ten counts. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, what? Yeah, it can be anybody. Three, two. Okay, so you have a question? And you have, okay, let's, let's, so that's T. Jibs and Mrs. DK. So I'll just take your questions and then in 15 minutes we'll be out of here. Can we have the second microphone, please? Next week we have carol service. 
So um, it's Christmas. Um, it's the day before Christmas. It's the eve of Christmas. We will just take a few songs. We would learn about the birth of Jesus and the importance of the gospel. You know, just a, a nice gospel message. And then we would move on. Let me hear. Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can All sit. Right. Okay. You don't have to stand. All right, sir. So my question actually is for the men. No, it's like for you to help, right? And even for myself personally. So um, the way work is in Lagos, I think a lot of employers are after our lives, right? So to be hardworking, most people, I think, are actually hardworking. I know a lot of hardworking people. So how do you balance being hardworking, doing what you need to do, and your spiritual life not suffering? All right. Thank you. Second question. Open your mouth, open uh, your mouth. I've heard you I've heard you speak normally. All right, sir. So my question I can hear you. My question My question is as a as a young adult, right? All of a sudden you are working and because everybody knows, everybody in your family, they know you are working. How do you handle billing? What? How do you handle billing? Okay, so black tax. All right, for the first question on um the first question about balance. This is it. Building your spiritual life. I, I, think, I think the problem is that we, we magnify grand gestures hmm, when it comes to building our spiritual lives. So when you say building your spiritual life, you, typically, you are typically thinking, oh, I want to pray one hour every day or pray two hours every day. I want to study the Bible like mad every day, but not really. You see, building your spiritual life happens more effectively when little steps are taken. Do you understand? Let me, let me put it like this. If you, read, if you read Atomic Habits, one of the things that James Clare say, says in that book is that um, one reason why people don't develop new habits is because we sort of make the habits about grand gestures instead of little systems. So let me explain. So we say, okay, I want to save money next year, right? And then typically, you know your salary monthly is 200000 which means your yearly income is $2.4 million. Is that correct? And except the Lord you know, does something and your salary increases, that is what your income would be by the end of next year. But you now say, I want to save one million next year. If you take away one million from 2.4 million, you're left with 1.4 million to feed, house yourself, clothe yourself, and move around for the year. It's too grand a gesture. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's too big. So what is eventually going to happen is you say, okay, I want to save one million. That means every month I should be saving about 80-something thousand, 90-something thousand out of 200,000. Now you try it the first three months and then you realize, I can't keep up with this because by the time I take away 90,000 from 200,000, I'm left with 110. 110 can barely get me to the office, feed and clothe myself. Now I have to start borrowing money to do some things because I'm trying to save. You know what? Let me just not borrow at all. Now you now start reducing the money you are saving until you eventually... Some people just stop saving. 
and chop the money that they've saved. You know what I mean? Now, you would have been more effective if you said, you know what, every month I put aside 30,000 or 20,000. It is not 1 million, but you are developing a savings culture. Do you understand? For when you now have enough to say, I will put aside a million by the end of, does that make sense? Many people apply that same mindset to their spiritual growth. I want to grow spiritually. I will pray two hours every day. You won't. So can we be more honest with ourselves and say, I will pray 15 minutes every day. I will pray a heartfelt 15-minute prayer every day. I will read my Bible for 15 minutes every day. Why is this powerful? Because if you will be honest with yourself, no matter how busy you are, you have 30 minutes to spare. Do you understand? The challenge is looking for bulk two, three hours to spare on Bible study. So because you are looking for bulk two, three hours to spare, you will now start eating into your sleep time. Now, okay, instead of me to sleep, I will pray into the night. You will try it the first week and realize you are no longer as productive in the office because you are tired every time you are in the office. So how about, I will read my Bible for 15 minutes, and I will pray for 15 minutes. So when I wake up in the morning, I take 15 minutes to pray. It's not too long. I take 30 minutes to pray. It's not too long. When I, now, I get to the office if I have to work physically. And before I start work, I open my Bible at my desk and read 15 minutes. Close my Bible. I've done devotion for the day. Then follow the church's devotion. It is 12 o'clock. Somebody's leading in prayers. Just plug your ears and pray along if you can. If you can't, just be there. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will see more growth doing that than somebody that's a sweeping declaration. Every day in 2024, I will pray three hours. I will pray one hour. You won't. Are we together? So I think the, the solution, the balance that we've been looking for is creating reasonable structure to make that thing happen. 15 minutes of prayer, 15 minutes of study. As you grow, you will now squeeze in, ah, this prayer is no longer doing me the way I want it to do. I will do 30 minutes. I will do 20 minutes. Let's see. 20 minutes of prayer, 20 minutes of study. As you grow, 30 minutes of prayer, 30 minutes of study. One day you will grow to where you can do one hour of prayer, one hour of study. And it will not feel like duty, it will feel like delight. Do you understand? That's how habits are formed. Does that make sense? When I started going to the gym, for instance, when my, my instructor used to come to the house and we used to walk out for a grand total of 30 minutes. Grand total. Any workout we are doing, 30 minutes we are done. If it should push me, 40 minutes. But as I grew through it, I started seeing myself spending two hours in the gym, three hours in the gym sometimes. Why? Because of growth, and I enjoy it now. So if you will grow through spiritual, like if you will grow spiritually, start small and grow from there. Make sense? Black tax. Please let me beg you. Your parents and family members, they had need before you started working. And they found a way to take care of those needs. 
Can I speak freely? Now that you are working, do your best and leave the rest. Are you hearing me? Your brother from the village, Ima Wankechi, you know Nkechi's son, uh, he's, he's getting into school. I don't know. What can you do for him? Nothing, nothing. I'm not his father. Nothing. I can't do anything for him. I'm not his daddy. I can't. I can't do anything. I'm okay. Even, even your parents. One time, <laughs> ah, mommy, I love you. <laughs> One time, I was in the house. My mom called me that she has found, she runs the school. She has found the school bus that she wants to buy that they said is four million. I was wondering, why are you giving me this information? I said, that must be very nice. So that's a very good offer. She said, you will not do anything. I said, do what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> honestly listen don't let anybody guilt trip you into feeling like because you are earning money now you must spend all the money on them because when the things that you should have done with that money if you don't do them they will not say I thought you are earning money am I saying the truth they say I thought you are earning money why are you not So here is a very good system that you can apply. When you get your money, you separate, you divide your money into four parts. One part is for God. One part is for you. One part is for your family. One part is to be saved. Like that. Divide it into four. One part is for God. So your tithes, your offering, whatever God asks you to give, one part. One part is for you. That part that is for you is not for savings. It's to enjoy. You've been planning to see a movie, go and watch it. You've been planning to buy clothes, buy it. You've been planning to go out, go out. That's what that part is for. Don't make money and you don't spend it on yourself. Aside from the fact that it is not good, you are doing something detrimental to your mind. You are teaching your mind that money is more important than you. When you make money, make sure that a part of it is spent on you for things that you want. Are you with me? One part is for God. One part is for you. One part is for family and other related expenses. And one part is to be saved or invested. Like that. Are you hearing me? So if you make 100,000 naira, 10% is for God. Tithe. Maybe you add another 5% for my offerings during the month. So 15% has gone. I'm left with 85%. 20% is to be saved. 20% is to be enjoyed. No, that's even too much. Because now I'm left with 45%. Or 20% is for my parents, family. 20% is for my enjoyment, my going out, my coming. Or 30%. The remaining 35%, I'll save it. That is if you can do that. Like, do you understand? Like, I'm not saying that this is how you should. I'm saying it's an example. Because 35%... Like 30% for, for enjoyment and going out and transport is 30,000. Where do you want to go to with 30,000 in Nigeria? <laughs> but you get my point, right? Yes, so don't, don't feel, because it's usually, um, ah, there's nothing I've not heard. That I've not eaten money from my son. I said, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I bought this for you now. I sent you this amount this time now. I did this for, listen, when there is a medical emergency at home, 
Hmm? That is directly your, your responsibility. Notice that I said directly your responsibility. Then you can now go above and beyond for that. So your parents are ill or your, your siblings are ill. But your cousin twice removed is ill. His father twice removed should care for him. I will only contribute a little to it as a good cousin that I am. May God give us understanding. Were you blessed? All right, please package your offering. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.